in the dead of night, as people sleep, that is when the spirits creep. As the bell tolls three, dark things take power. We like to call it the supernatural hour. Welcome to the Supernatural Hour. I am your host, Raven. And I am your co-host, Chad. And that's all. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're, if you've listened to the last few episodes, you're probably thinking, you guys are losing most right but No, it's just, it's just that time of the year, and stuff happens. And we were actually, full transparency here, ready? We usually try to have a canned episode, you know, one where we just record um, the main topic, and then we can add stuff easily to it later, you know, in the editing process for a time when everyone's sick or you know, stuff happens. And it's kind of nice to have one right around this Christmassy time because it's just hard to get together with parties and shopping and everything that's going on. So um, when we were scheduling when to record this podcast, we realized it is just a few days before Christmas and no one can do it. So you just got us. Sorry. We'll try to be entertaining. I promise. All right. For the business, speaking about entertaining, we don't have a whole lot of business. As always, this time of year, continue to contribute to your local food bank, Utah Food Bank or the local food bank in the area which you reside. They can always use your help. So that's an important part. We are also working on trying to get a new event for the middle of January. We're trying to make some phone calls and get that done. So be looking for a fun event in January. Yeah, hopefully we'll have that information posted by the time you hear this podcast. If not, it should be up in just uh, a day or two after this podcast posts. Yep. It should be an exciting event when we haven't been to for quite a while. Yeah, it's been a long time since I... All right. So that's it pretty much for the business. Business brought to you by Castle Photo Art and Castle Nature Studio. We did go on a residential yesterday. I went on a residential yesterday and it's... it's, it's you didn't go alone. You didn't go with me, but you didn't go alone. No, I didn't go by myself. Right. Go on that's not safe to go on an investigation by yourself, especially the area we were in. Um, <laughs> and that's not from the paranormal. That's no, <laughs> the not being safe. No, the, the people that we did the investigation, they're fabulous people, good, good people. Um, just the area that they were in is a little dicey. We'll just put it that way. Um, the, the homeowner we were talking to is, oh, yeah, there was a kidnapping over there and some homicides over there and some overdoses over there. And I was like, am I going to make it to my car safely? Um, good, good people, though. He and his wife are both quite sensitive, and they were just feeling things, hearing things, seeing things. Um, little side note. So the people on this investigation were Denise, Mary, um, Denise's mother, and myself. And Denise just little aside is my nail tech she does my nails and my nails are fabulous let me just tell you it's not because of anything I do it's because Denise is a fabulous nail tech um, she does her mother's nails she does Mary's nails she does my nails so at one point we were all standing in this bedroom talking to a spirit you know through the flashlight and the k2s the spirit really liked those 
and um, Laura had a recorder. Oh, she was videotaping. Mary was holding a recorder. All of us, for some reason, had our hands up. And I was looking at this. I was like, if, if just the four of us had our own uh, ghost hunting team, we would be called the Fantastic Fingernail Four because Denise also does her own nails. We all had on-point fingernails, let me just tell you. And you did. We did. Anyway, okay, so back to, back to the investigation. We haven't had a chance to listen to the recordings yet, so I don't know if we had any Yeah, it was just literally yesterday afternoon. Yeah. And then we went to a family Christmas party right after. In fact, you were late. Yes, I was late to the party because of the ghost town, but that's okay. So... One of the things that I experienced when we when we first walked into the house, the, the atmosphere of the whole complex was just very heavy because of some of the extracurricular activities that go on with some of the, the tents there. But when we got into the apartment itself, there was a heaviness there, and I felt a woman, a, a female spirit, come and like tug on my arm, like she was really excited that we were there. She wanted us to come back and see something. Turns out that she was one of the protector spirits. There were what we call two type threes there, and those are um, what we call in our team demonic entities. And there were two type twos, which are human spirits, but are, you know, they're either jerks and like to cause mischief, or they're being manipulated by the type three. There was, there was two of those there. We walked into the home, I could feel this female spirit tugging on my arm, wanting me to come back and, and find these other spirits that were there. And as soon as, you know, we talked to the homeowner for a minute, or the homeowner wasn't there to begin with, actually. Um, it's someone that within the group, we know, and so they gave us a key when this, when this came in. So as a team, you know, it's like, okay, what are we feeling? What are we doing? I'm going to take a video on it. You know, we kind of set up our parameters of what we're going to do. And then we started walking back from the front room into the kitchen. Well, as soon as we hit that kitchen, I got a headache. And if there's a type 3, I can feel it in two different ways. I'm going to either get a headache or, you know when you put magnets together the wrong way and they kind of repel? Mm-hmm. I will get kind of that repel feeling. Well, I'll get one of the two. I don't know that I've ever gotten both. And I don't know what the difference is with that yet. I can't figure that out. But I got a headache. It was a it was a headache when I was like, oh, there's a... There's got to be a type 3 right here because I'm just getting this bad headache. And I, I didn't investigate that at that point because we felt compelled to go into the bedroom. So we went into the bedroom and we set up our equipment and we were getting some responses. And this is when they were turning on the flashlight. And remember, if you've listened to us, you've heard me reference my flashlights a time or two. And my flashlight, I've got the two mag lights. I've got one with the green lens, one with the red lens. And the green one is really, really easy for the spirits to manipulate. But for some reason, the red one is harder, and I don't, I don't know what the deal is there. So I had them turned on, or you know, just barely, barely on, and I was carrying them, and the red one came on. And part of me thought, oh, it just came on because it's, you know, just barely, barely turned on, and I'm looking at it. But it was on, and I said, can you turn that off? And it immediately turned off. And then when we went back into the bedroom and I laid them on the bed, it was actually the red light that came on more often. I don't think I saw the green light come on at all. Hmm. That's kind of different with your flashlights. Right, it is. And before then, the only time I've had anyone turn the red light on for a very long time was the, the female spirit at the DUP, Daughters of the Utah Pioneers Museum. In, in American Fork? In American Fork. And before, I mean, it's, I rarely, rarely get that red light turned on. So it came on um, several times after I had put it down, even. 
and intelligent. You know, can you turn that one on? Boom, it would come on. Can you turn it off? Boom, it would go off. And then it would just kind of thing. But, but we had two K2 meters, and both K2 meters, it would peg the exact same. Time when the light went on? Mm-hmm. And there weren't any, you know, I looked, there was no phones around them, there was no electronic equipment around them, I mean, there was nothing that would have these. So after, you know, we were asking questions and taking some videotape, and, you know, taking some recordings to hopefully get some EDPs on, I said to the other three ladies, I said, I'm going to go out right there where it says that type 3 is, because we got confirmation that it was where I thought it was. I said, I'm going to go see if I can get some pictures or you know, some something with the camera. So I went out and I was taking pictures. And you've heard me talk about orbs several times um, on this podcast. I don't believe in an orb in a photo unless I see it with my naked eye. Just because it can be so many different things. Yeah. It can be dust. It can be reflection. Insect. It can be, yeah. And so unless I see it, you know, I have no idea what that orb can be. So I'll, you know, if you show me an orb picture, I'll be like, yeah, I'm not going to say it. Yeah. And, and we're not saying it's not. We just don't know that it is because it's hard to know with the photographic. There's just too many variables that can happen that can negate it unless you've been there and seen it. So I'm sitting there, I'm taking pictures, and I just, you know, I don't like to take. I do take bursts, but sometimes I'll just, you know, manually. And so I decided to just do manually. And so I was just taking manual pictures. And with my eye, I saw an orb go straight up right from where. We were told that this type three was. It went straight up, you know. And dust is going to go kind of diagonal, meander a little or bit. It's going to float up, kind of like snow, except for in reverse. Yeah, <laughs> going up. If it's going up, but um, you know how snow falls, it kind of meanders. Um, this shot straight, and it was you couldn't have made a more straight line if you had tried. Straight up, and it was fast, and it was a perfect circle, and it was bright. Shot straight up. And I said, because they were asking questions behind me, and I said, will you ask and see if that Type 3 spirit just went up into the apartment above us? And the answer was And they're yes. asking who? They were talking to one of the Type 2s. Okay. And the answer was yes. Uh, it got annoyed, and it, it went upstairs into the other apartment. And I said, I saw it. And I thought, please let me have gotten a picture. And as I was looking through my photos, there's nothing there. But I saw it with my eye. And that was kind of cool. So we salted and saged the Type 3s out. The Type 2s wanted to cross. When we cross spirits, we don't... We have mentioned this before several podcasts ago, but I'll just mention it again. We don't feel like we have the power to cross spirits. We feel that spirits have that power themselves. They just tend to get hyper-focused on other things. To the point that they don't even realize what time period they're in, oftentimes. Right. And so when we cross them over, what we do, our method, is to just help them to focus on that light and to to cross themselves. So we don't feel like we are crossing yeah. them. We're just helping them. So when you say we cross someone, it's not that we did it. It's they're using their agency and they're crossing themselves. Yes, we're just helping them focus. We're opening the door. We're helping them. It's like, hey, 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 look over here, look over here, 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 here. I mean, I can't see it, but... It's like there's a really bright light. Can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see it? We're all going to help you. Look for that. Yeah. So, yeah. And then they do it because we can't force them. It's and I, and their, their choice. And we don't have some magical power where we go, poof, you're crossed. We just we help them focus their energies so that they can cross themselves. So and we assisted them in crossing. 
it was a good investigation. I actually had a book out about five minutes early and I was still late. Well, it wasn't just because of the investigation. There was also... No, okay. No, okay. So not paranormal. <laughs> but I'm sure that everybody can relate to this. You're driving down the freeway. There's these signs that say left lane's closed. And you're like, okay, left lane's closed. It's a weekend. It's a holiday weekend. It, I can see that there's traffic built up. That they'll merge and, you know, in a mile or so, we'll pop out from the closed off lanes and boom, we'll be going again. So if you're familiar with Utah, it started to slow down about 12300 south. And it didn't open up again until I got to the bottom of the point of the mountain, which is what? Near Thanksgiving point. I know, but a mile. Oh no, that's a couple miles. It's it's, yeah, it's it's three or four miles. And when I said the Salt Lake County side of the, mm -hmm. the point, not Thanksgiving. Okay. But it's a couple miles. So I'm driving through there. I'm going, my son called me at one point. He's like, where are you? I'm on the freeway going literally zero miles an hour. I think the highest I got to was 17 miles an hour on a freeway that's 70. On a Saturday with no weather-related conditions? No, perfectly sunny, perfectly blue sky. It snowed for four days, but there was dry roads, blue sky. It finally opened up, and I was like, what the actual hell? There was no lanes closed off. There was no accident. There were no troopers. There was... There was no reason no for a way. slowdown. There was no reason. Why, why do you do that? Stop it. Whoever does that, stop doing that. It annoys me. Okay, back to our... Back to paranormal stuff. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a very bitter mouthy. Raven's Rant was brought to you by... <laughs> we don't have a... We don't have our um, bullet points, so we're really doing this. So, <laughs> I, I've got last. You, you I've got last. Know. I've got last week's bullet points. We were, we were working off of last week's bullet points, so we, if we well, it, well, it gives us our general flow. <laughs> oh God, you like this? <laughs> to make up for our haphazard weirdness, we have a really cool topic today. So, are we ready to jump into our really cool topic? Yeah, I think so. Okay. If you have listened to us for a while, you know that I have this morbid fascination with mummies. And I mean zero disrespect. To me, the reason mummies are fascinating is because you look at a mummy and you say, that, you know, 2,000, 4,000, 6,000, however old that mummy is, 200, that is a person. You know, they, they were born, they grew up, they cried, they laughed, they were happy, they were sad, they made plans, they had hopes and dreams. And, you know, they walked around in this period of time and saw these incredible things. And now I am looking at that actual at their, person. At their mortal remains. Not a statue of them, not a picture of them. I'm looking at them. And to me, I don't know, there's just something very surreal about that. And I take it seriously and, and I'm respectful. You know, so, so please don't take any respect in this. Disrespect. You want to take respect. Do, do not think that I am being disrespectful when I talk about mummies, because I just, I think it's fascinating. And I put myself in that position. What if I were a mummy and 2,000 years from now, people are looking at me and going, you know, she had dreams and hopes and, and she ranted about traffic and saw orbs and never looking at her. Anyway, so one day, a few days ago, Chad was flipping through YouTube channels as he does. And he found one, and I think the title of this particular one was called Incorruptible, The Bodies That 
wouldn't rot or don't rot. And so I watched it. And and, and she goes, wow, that's a really cool topic. <laughs> and so was as we were um, researching for today's podcast, and we pulled up another one, and it was, the title of that one was uh, just a list of Catholic saints that were incorruptible part one. I thought, part one, how many of these people are out there? And I found out, we found out something interesting, and I did not know this. Um, sorry, I'm not going papers I had to take notes. So I did not know this, but in order to be, and, and if, if you're Catholic or know more about Catholicism, right? And we mess this up. And I said, and if we mess this up. Yeah, if we mess this up, sorry. Okay, we, we, we just are taking our information from, from some videos. We're giving watched. it our best shot. We're not authorities here. No. As, as I understand it, um, in order to become a saint, at one point, well, at one point they thought it was miraculous. You had to have so many miracles. Yeah, and have so many miracles, so many things that happened. But one of these miracles was when they exhume you, which was part of the canonization process. If your body was incorrupt, it's a miracle. Yep, it made it a miracle, and so that would be one of the three. Yeah, you're a saint. You're a third of the way there. Yeah, your, your body is not decomposed. You're obviously a saint. It's a miracle. Isn't that from life and mine? Yep. And now, because of science and because of some other things, they don't consider it a miracle. They figure that they see it as a favorable sign. Right, because there are other bodies that are incorruptible like the bog bodies in the bogs and the bog man Lenin Lenin and they they preserve him art very artificially and then there's the um, the doll girl yeah I mean they're they're um, some of the some of the girls up in the high Andes mountains that were used as sacrifices with the so because of science they've kind of downgraded and uh, that incorruptibility preserved. being a sign of a miracle it's, it's more like a, a kudo. Honorable mention. So, and here's the interesting thing. Participation me. trophy? Yes. <laughs> so, as we were looking through, and we'll give you a list of, of a bunch of ones that we looked at, but incorruptible means that their body hasn't been artificially tampered with. Yeah, artificially preserved. Um, and they're f still flexible and pliable. Yes, and so some of them, so as they were going through um, some of these, they were saying, oh, yes, this is incredible, no, this isn't. Um, and Did you say this? It doesn't mean that they're perfectly preserved. They, they don't need to be perfect, perfectly preserved. I mean, you don't need to open it up and it looks like they did when they were 20. But they can't, some things that make them nose. Yeah. Um, you, you have to have all your organs there. Right, so they, they can be decomposed. They just can't have been removed. Right, so like mummies, Egyptian mummies, where they would take the organs out to help the body be preserved by not having those organs in there and decompose and yeah. start that process. That would be a preserved body, but it would not be considered incorruptible. It couldn't be saints or have honorable mentions or you know, these right. So sometimes when they would exhume these, so as part of the canonization process, your body would be exhumed and examined. And a lot of times these examinations weren't conducted before they were buried because they were so concerned about modesty that they just didn't do a real thorough investigation. Um, you know, like they would now. 
But as they exhumed some of these people that they were considering for sainthood, they would find that organs had been removed, they'd been stuffed with herbs, things had been done to their skin. With a, what was it, a certain kind of acid that they would be putting on it to help preserve them? so they were like, no, that, that can't be incorruptible. Which didn't mean they couldn't be a saint. It just meant that the miracle of incorruptibility wouldn't be counted as one of the three miracles. Right, they had to, it's like, oh, you know, we've got to find three other miracles because this is not one of them. So there's one that they talked about, St. Paula. Um, they dug her up. They, had, they exhumed her. Exhumed her is a better phrase. Oh, dug her up. <laughs> there's something wrong with me. Okay, I didn't mean that. When St. Paula... Hang on, I need glasses. I'm old. My mom said my eyesight would start going when I was like 40. And I, I didn't need glasses till I was like 48. But that was a few years Okay, and I'm just going to put this out here right now. A lot of these saints are Italian or French, and I'm not going to pronounce them correctly. I'm just going to be honest. I can hardly pronounce normal English words correctly, so I apologize. I will do my very, very best, and I mean zero disrespect when I pronounce this incorrectly. So there's a, a gal named St. Paula Francinetti, and they exhumed her 24 years after she had passed. And she looked fantastic. And the nuns looked at her and they thought, she looks really, really good, you know, considering how long she has been dead. And they put a carbolic acid on her skin to preserve it. But since they preserved her skin after she was exhumed and examined, they still considered her incorrupt. Right. So along these same lines... There was a saint, Saint Julian Emard, and they exhumed him, and they also thought that he looked pretty good, and so they tried to do the same preservation like they did Saint Paula, but it destroyed him. I don't know if if they used too strong or if his just his body composition just couldn't handle it, but it, you know, they preserved him and they put this acid on him, and they're like, oh, they knew we shouldn't have done that, and so they took what was left and put it in wax figurine effigy because as we were looking at some of these the first thing we did was just look at these you know incorruptibles and yeah there was there was a video that it didn't even have any dialogue with it it was just the names and the dates, names, dates and, and the pictures, pictures of them Raven and I were going through well yeah that's possible no that one looks pretty waxy oh that one looks like a mannequin oh that one oh that totally looks like a mannequin you know and then we um, then we did some more research on it and if you go and some of them look like the wax effigy and you're like ah. sometimes it's the body inside and the body will be inside of it well, there was one where you look at it and it looks completely waxy it looks like he just fell asleep and you're like no oh, that's too good to be real but actually underneath the wax effigy is a you know, the complete skeleton right and in fact um, there's an episode of Ask a Mortician what's her I forget Doty I forget her first name but anyway Caitlin Doty Anyway, she's talking to uh, an expert that, that does this, and there's a picture of her with, I believe it was this one you're talking about, with the, you know, kind of the wax effigy on the guy on the side. The question to Catherine was, is this incorruptible or not? And, you know, it was obviously, uh, you know, a wax mannequin kind of thing. And she said no, and the girl says no, it, it is. And then they actually have a picture of where they dropped it down. And you can see the body underneath, and it's mostly skeleton. 
but at the time of the, the finding and the exhumation, it wasn't incorruptible, and since then has deteriorated to the point. Right, and this, the expert today, her name is Elizabeth Harper, and the one that they were talking about is St. Camillus and his mm-hmm. But it was very interesting, you know, because I didn't know that with the incorruptibles when we start, first started looking at this, is this, that sometimes they're effigies and it's it doesn't mean that that body is is still in the same preservation as when they were deemed to be incorruptible. Right, and when it comes to, you know, you might be asking, well, you know, what is the exact definition of incorruptible? We kind of touched on this a little bit. There's not really a definition, and there's not even really a list. So Caitlin was asking Elizabeth, you know, she's like, so what is the definition, and is there a list? And, and Elizabeth says, no, there's, there's not a list. There's not really a definition. Um, what they consider to be incorrupt actually came from Pope. And I wrote down Pope St. Benedict. Is that a real thing, or is it just Pope Benedict? I wrote down the word saint about 800 times before that. Pope Benedict, I believe. Anyway, if you're Catholic, I'm really sorry. I'm trying to... And do you have the date on that? Did you write down the date? So in 1734, he used the word flexible. And I think since then they added the, you know, no preservatives, no, um, you know, herbs packed in, no organs removed. You, You had to be intact. However, that being said, you don't even need to be fully there. Just one part of you has to be intact. For example, St. Anthony of Petula, 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 when they exhumed him, all of his body had uh, decomposed naturally, but his tongue was intact. And flexible. And flexible. So they considered that the miracle. They considered that incorrupt. And so when you go and visit St. Anthony of Petua, you can see his tongue preserved in a glass topped. And when you say preserved, just displayed. They haven't preserved it. They've just displayed it. They took his tongue. It's like zip-tied to the back of a glass picture frame. It's kind of a reliquy. uh, Yeah. That's... just his tongue. Little, I, I, in my notes, I wrote, wrote <laughs> But that's interesting that that was the only body part that didn't decompose, where yeah, like, why? almost everything else did. Uh, is it because it was encased within a skull and maybe less moisture? I don't know. But why wouldn't that be true of lots and lots and lots of other... Yeah. It's a miracle! <laughs> no disrespect. Yeah, zero disrespect. Just going and saying, hey, look, some dude's tongue. Kind of creepy. So, I'm just going to, we're just going to read this list. No comment on list? No, you got a list. It's not a formal list. You don't have bullet points by it. You didn't print it up and give it to everybody. There's nothing wrong with lists. Well, then quit making fun of I like, now, so the difference between bullet lists and numbered lists, you know it? has bullets on his number. But why? I don't know. Numbered lists are ordered lists. They are. Sequence is important. This is coming from me as a technical writer. Bullet lists mean that all of the items in the list don't have a prescribed order and don't have to be done in any particular order. So it could be there. So if you were giving a, a you could give a numbered list by year of, um, you know, 
sequence of when things had happened, and then you can put those in a number. And you'd probably even use the year as the number, you know, in 1847 and 1849, and put them in order. Uh, that would be an, a numbered list. Now, a bullet list would be just, you put the information out there and it's not important. Not that the information's not important, the sequence's not important. This segment brought to you by Technical Writing Incorporated. My brain turned to maximum 45 seconds ago. So she doesn't have a bulleted list or a numbered list. She just has a random list here. Because, okay, if you guys are know at all what Myers Briggs is, Chad is an ESTJ. I am an INFJ. When it comes to logic, we are on completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Chad's brain is full of all sorts of lists. And mine is just a jumble of unicorn dust and fairies. But you're the one that makes the lists. So anyway, back to your list. Okay. <laughs> Here's the list. Okay, so here we go. There is Saint Padre Pio. I'm gonna say that. There's Saint Padre Dio de Pietrasina. Again, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. He was born in 1887, died in 1986. He actually looks good. Now, whether these are the actual bodies or the incorruptible body inside the effigy or underneath the effigy, I don't know. So you can look these up yourself and make that decision on your own. Um, if you do know, you can let us, you know, just send us an email, let us know. We can chat about it um, on another podcast. And there's St. Camillus. Deleus, and he was born in 1550 and died in 1614. He looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think that was the legit body. Um, there's the Venerable Maria de Jesus Agunda, and she was 1602 to 1665. Um, she looked good, but a bit waxy, and so my my gut feel is they have preserved her after she was incorruptible, or maybe she's encased in or underneath um, her effigy, but she looked, she looked pretty good. There is St. Bernadette, um, and I can probably pronounce this right if I could read handwriting. Sinberius um, of Lourdes. She was 1844 to 1879, and she looked good. Mm-hmm. She, I think that was the actual body. Yeah, it didn't look too waxy, didn't look overly mummified. She looked pretty good. Also, it's not a very old dimension. She only passed in 1870. Yeah, it's not like hundreds and hundreds of years old. But that's, you know, a hundred years is a long time for a body to to not decompose. So there was St. Alphonsius Liguari from 1696 to 1787. He looked very waxy, kind of bronzed, kind of orange. Now... The, these are all obviously glass topped or open, you know, cases, boxes, um, so you can see them. And the, the, the fabric behind him was orange, the lighting was kind of orange, so I don't know if... Yeah. He had kind of a bronzy, yeah, goldish yeah. hue. I don't know if it was the light, I don't know if it's something that they preserved him in after the fact. And some of these, because when we were watching the Ask a Mortician, they would show us two bodies and 
the expert would say one was incorruptible, one wasn't. So I don't, I'm not saying that these are all incorruptible, so these are just all ones they showed us on a video. So if you're interested, you can look these up yourself. Um, St. Vincent de Paul, uh, 1581 to 1660. He looked really good, like he was sleeping. It looked really good, like he was sleeping. So I'm going to guess that the actual incorruptible him is encased or underneath or something else. That that's an effigy representing him, probably. Yeah. Now, um, again, too good. Yes. St. Cecilia, the patron of musicians. I'm a musician, so... So she resonates with me. Resonates. Um, <laughs> Musician, resonates. Come on. I think that was a statue or a sculpture because it looked very, very statue. Yeah. Again, not to say that there's not her body there at the site, but the effigy there was probably not her incorruptible body being displayed. Right. So I wrote this saint down watching one video, and then when we watched that Ask a Mortician, who kind of talked about this topic, they referenced her again. And towards the end of the Ask a Mortician episode, they did this lightning round of, is it incorruptible or not? So this is Saint Catherine of Bonona. Um, she's sitting, and she, to me, I was like, oh yeah, that's totally her. And it, and it was totally her. I mean, it wasn't you know, an effigy, she wasn't encased somewhere else. She had kind of your typical mummy look, you know, just dark, kind of withered. But amazingly preferred for a couple of hundred years old. Yes, and I don't have, they didn't give the dates of, of when she was around. But, you know, definitely, you're like, yeah, that's definitely her body. But they did say, because they would show two side by side, one's incorruptible, one wasn't, they did say that she was not incorruptible. So she's still a saint. She just had to have other miracles. There was something, something with her body. Wasn't there like three or four of the saints' women that they had determined that there had been some other preservatives done with them after? after well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but, but before they before they were deemed as incorruptible, but like at their burial, either organs removed or yeah. or or something that negated them from the miracle of incorruptibility. Yeah. And she was one of them. And it doesn't mean that they still weren't well, well preserved, but they didn't meet the didn't the, meet the criteria, the criteria and, of being an incorruptible. The only thing I didn't like about disaster mortation is when they were comparing the two, they didn't tell you why. It's like why? Yeah. Why why is that one incorruptible and that one not? And it would have been something like maybe she had an organ removed or herb stuffed in her or a preservation done on her skin before burial. After burial, it's fine, but before burial... Now, after after the miracle has been or announced, after, 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 the, after they've been canonized for that miracle. There's Santa Maria Magdalene del Hazu. I'm so sorry. Um, 1566 to 1607. She also looked... Um, you could tell that that was actually her body. It has been kind of that brown, mummy, mummified look. You know, we see Egyptian mummies, or you know, the the bog mummies, or the the Andes preserved how they, their skin just kind of turns just tightened and a little brown. That's how she looked. Um, there's Saint Waldo Gubbio from 1084 to 1160. They have him on um, a kind of high up on a pedestal. 
made, like really high up, like probably 15, 20 feet. Feet. In a glass case. Mm -hmm. And he looked pretty legit. He looked pretty almost skeletal. Um, And when I say legit and skeletal, again, this is just to give you... um, Our take on the state of the preservation of his body. Yes, we're not trying to to make fun. But it's like, that's legitimately him. It's not an effigy. That's that's him. Yeah, and and again, they then showed another close-up of him that was easier because from the 10 or 15 feet up, it was difficult to tell. You could tell there was a figure form there, but you couldn't see it. But then they showed a uh, close up of him. Yeah. So we're just going to name off about, I don't know, six or seven more. St. Clair of Assisi, um, 1194 to 1253. That's kind of a waxy look to me. There's St. Esmeralda Eustatia Calcifalo from 1434-1485. I think that one looked like like her. I mean, it, it looked like a legit mummy. Um, and again, we don't know if these are incorruptible or, or not, but you can, you can look those up. Claire of Montefalco, 1268 to 1308. She was in her habit, and she looked pretty legit. She, 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 I thought she looked really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's none of them that were like, except the tongue. The tongue was a little bigger. <laughs> the, the ones that to me look like legit mummies, I, mean, I, th- I thought they all looked pretty good. I hope that when I've been dead for several hundred years, I look that good. Some of them I'm like, holy cow, I wish I looked that good now. <laughs> St. Dominic. Uh, I cannot read my handwriting and I'm not going to... Oh, sorry. St. Dominic, sorry. 1842 to 1857. This one... I didn't care for how they put this one. This is the one he could have been well preserved. It could be like a mannequin or or a, or a effigy of some sort but they had him sitting but his head, it's like they had a pillow under his head but they took it out. Like he was in the process of sitting up and his arms were up and you couldn't tell if his eyes were open or closed. I just didn't like the presentation. Yeah, to me to me, this one is the one that looked very mannequinish. Yeah, and you know whether it was actually him or not, I don't know. But if he had just been laying down, I might have said, "Oh yeah, that could just be you know very well preserved." Because yeah, it's not very old. Yeah, that one's a hundred years or so. But um, eighteen fifty-seven. It's more than hundred years. Two hundred, hundred, hundred and seventy-five. Yeah, I just, I just didn't like how they approached him. But if it was legitimately him, he looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, John Benet, patron of priests, 1786 to 1859. He looked pretty legit, pretty lifelike. Uh, his head and his hands seemed very well preserved. His body seemed a little, a little more, what's the word I want? Shriveled seems really sacrificed. Dehydrated. Dehydrated. You know, but I mean, he's been dead for a while, so that makes sense. But his face and hands look really good. So this is the one. Again, we watched this video before we heard all of the, um, you know, the definitions and, and everything. So this is Saint Tarsus from third century Rome. And the notes I put were possible look statuary for the age. Not sure if it's real. Too good? Question mark. But now. Yeah, having watched um, 
that was the Carper. And the definition of what the incorruptible means yeah. in the Catholic Church context. Exactly. Then I realized, oh, that's probably an effigy of, of him, and whatever part or parts of him they determined were incorruptible or not are encased inside there or underneath. So that after I watched her... After we got a little more information and yeah, learned a little like, more about the definitions. Because I'm looking at him going from 370 Rome. Hmm, no, that's too good. But now I get it. Now I get it. So see, do your research. Do your research. St. Charles of Sezi, he looks pretty good. He was well preserved. Um, he looked like it was legit, not like he was encased in anything. That's 1613 to 16th And then, not all, and I'm going to say incorruptible is just meaning that our body has been not the, Catholic, not the Catholic version of incorruptible. But, you know, again, we touched on it. There's Lenin, you know, the bog bodies, the Egyptian mummies. There's, Otzi, the... There's the bog people. There's, I mean, there's mummies that they're finding all over the place. And to me, it's just fascinating. Oh, besides the bodies, you're, you're looking at these bodies of these mummies, of these people that lived, you know, thousands of years ago in the case of the Egyptian mummies, or, you know, just hundreds of years ago in the case of some of these saints. And you think, you know, is there spirit hanging around? You know, is there some sort of paranormal activity going on around these? And I had a personal experience, and we briefly touched on this if you listen to our um, Egypt episode, but uh, we were in Egypt in May. May. I took uh, just... I took my Ghost Meter Pro and I took Dowsing Rods. The thing that I was the most excited to to ghost hunt while I was there, and, and we, we ghost hunted very briefly, and it was not a ghost hunting trip, but I really, really wanted to go to the museum in Cairo, ghost hunt with the Dowsing Rods, the mummies. Mm-hmm. I was so excited to go do that. But as soon as I got to where the mummies were going, I just had this overwhelming feeling of don't. You know, we have millions of people just come and stare at us. Literally millions of people. There was probably a million people when we were there. <laughs> well, not quite when we were there. <laughs> but over like but over the, the course of the years it's millions. I mean King Tut's tombs there. Or not tomb, but his his artifacts and remains. But I just had this overwhelming feeling of, you know, you know, just don't. And so I said, yeah. And I put the dowsing rods in my hand. And I just stood there and stared at them. Watched and read. And you know, Chad's going around looking at other things. And I just, I was like, yeah, I'm seeing money, so I'm um, But we did look up, you know, are there any uh, you know, paranormal things that go on around... Um, the incorruptibles? The incorruptibles. You know, the, the Catholic saint incorruptibles. And there wasn't really a whole lot. But there were several pictures of orbs, strange mists, some shadows that couldn't be explained. There was one, we couldn't quite tell because it didn't, didn't give us much information, but it looked like someone was visiting one of them and they got a bite mark on their arm. Which, le- which to me is credible because I'm sure that whether their spirit is with them or whether it just brings in other spirits that mimic them and try to pretend to be them, there's going to be some sort of activity around you know, those bodies in my opinion. Well, there's a lot of energy. I mean, a lot of, a lot of living human energy, a lot of interest, 
a lot of faith. So there's I mean, energy from the body itself and energy of those that have come to pay their respects and, and homage to that particular saint. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So is that it for our incorruptibles? Yes. And now, now I've seen Egyptian mummies. I still have to go back to Egypt to see the royal mummies because when we were there, if you don't know, there's the, the museum in Cairo. Which is called the Cairo Museum. You know, that you see in all the movies and everything. But when we were there, they were just finishing this great big new museum that was just by the pyramids. Yeah, out on the Gaza Strip. Mm-hmm. And I think it's open now. Yeah. Um, so I need to go back there. But when we were at the Cairo Museum, they actually had the Royal Mummy exhibit closed because I think they were in the process of moving them from the one museum to the other. And I was very, very sad because that's who I wanted to see. It's like, seriously, the day that I'm here, it's closed. So I gotta go back to see them the ones. But now, I kinda wanna go see some of these incredibles. Yeah. So. Well, that that's... I need to go to Italy. I'm gonna say, that's like a European trip. Italy, France. Okay, someday. So, let's touch just a little bit on the non-Catholic incorruptibles. And you did, Lemon... The girl, what was her name? I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of people. The bog, the bog people that they find, all of those kinds of things. And again, they're not the Catholic incorruptibles. And I think a lot of people, when they're when they're learning about this, they don't understand that difference. That just because a body is well preserved doesn't mean it's an incorruptible by the Catholic definition. So I thought that was. That was very interesting. And with the preservation and the embalming techniques and the things that we do modern day, a lot of bodies actually can be quite well preserved for quite a while after death. And when they do exhumations, exhume, for criminal cases or those kinds of things, oftentimes the bodies are still in remarkably good shape. It's quite amazing. This is everything we've been talking about has been brought to you by Castle Photo Art. Um, Oteos, the Hub Theater. Yep. We forgot to join the We we got Castle in originally. We're going to get to the others. Yep. I I did that for the business. I thought we so just going to shout out. And by the time you hear this, Christmas will have been over for three days. And if you didn't get your supernatural hour swag for Christmas that you were hoping for, you can still just go and buy it yourself. Yep. And if you if you buy something and then send me an email, I will call and say. Jingle bells to you very poorly. I play instruments because I sing very, very poorly. So, in fact, I have to tell you, the choir director in my church at one point sent me a text and she said, I've heard you sing in church and your voice is so lovely. We need you in choir. And I thought, you know what? I just love you. You are a fantastic person. You've never sat by me and heard me sing because if you did, you would never have said that you had a beautiful voice because I do not. So there's that. Anyhow. So you can get the swag at advancedparanormal.com. So go out there and get your supernatural hour swag stuff. There's a lot of fun stuff. Oils, stones, stuff like that too. Okay. You ready for a junk drawer? Yeah. We talk about stones periodically in the junk drawer. And then I stopped talking about stones because Jess um, 
has kind of taken that up and run with it. But since she's not here, we're going to kind of do stones, but these are stones um, I found this on Pinterest. It's the most powerful crystals for your zodiac sign. Oops. I'm not even sure what the crystal for my zodiac sign is, unless that would be Peridot. That would be your birthstone. Okay, so there's a crystal in addition to birthstone? Yes. <whistles> Who knew? Yeah, because I'm looking at your, at your sign and um, Peridot is not. Leo. I'm a Leo. Okay. I'm a Leo, and I'm an ESTJ. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm your choice. <laughs> Aries. So if you're Aries, and I'm just going to read the dates. I mean, if you know you're in Aries, you probably already know these dates. But for those that are listening, that, that maybe horoscopes aren't your thing, Aries is March 21st to April 20th. So the most powerful crystals are agate, tiger's eye, aquamarine, and jasmine. If you are a Taurus, April 21st to May 21st, it's quartz, apatite, jade, and selenite. If you are a Gemini, May 22nd to June 21st, moonstone, angelite, lapis lazuli, which is one of my favorites. That's that purpley one? Kind of that. Purpley blue? Dark blue. I would call purple very, very dark, dark blue. Okay. Maybe with some purple. It's not purple. I'll go blue. It's very, very blue. It's great. And turquoise. If you're a Cancer, that's what I am. Garnet, Moonstone, Agate, and Chrysopolis? I, 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 sorry. You're reading it. Um, Leo, Tourmaline, Agate, Pyrite, and Citrine. Fool's Gold, all right, man. I was just going to say that. explains a lot. Virgo, amethyst, quartz, obsidian, and shungite. I think I have a shungite somewhere. Did I tell you? Did I say the dates for Virgo? Virgo is August twenty third to September twenty third. Um, Leo, July twenty third to August twenty second. Cancer, June twenty second to July twenty second. Libra, September twenty fourth to October twenty third. Turquoise, citrine, amethyst, and kyanite. Scorpio, which is August 24th to November 22nd. Aquamarine, Citrine, Malachite, and Quartz. I have a daughter who is a Scorpio, so I need to get some of those in the rubber hat. Because maybe it'll take the teenagers in. <laughs> Sagittarius, November 23rd to December 21st. Turquoise, Azurite, Adventurine, and Fluorite. If you're a Capricorn, heads up, this is what Castle is. December 21st to January 20th. Ruby, Hematite, Shungite, Onyx, and Jet. Notice there's a lot of getting away the bad energy juju stones there. Hematite, Onyx, Jet. <laughs> Says something about Castle? <laughs> something about Castle. Aquarius, January 21st, February 19th. I just did something to my photo. I can't see it. Um, Hematite, Amazonite, Angelite, and and last but not least, Pisces, February 20th to March 20th, is Amethyst, Agate, Azurite, and Moonstone. Interesting. So there we go. So go out and get your powerful crystals and stones for your zodiac sign. See, I'm a Cancer. One of mine is Moonstones. I have a Moonstone. And I'm a Leo, and one of mine is Fool's Gold. And I'm sure there's some Fool's Gold around here somewhere. 
Um, we encourage you to go out and become a patron for Supernatural Hour and Advanced Paranormal. We've got a number of patrons. Give a shout out to all of them. We appreciate their help in bringing these podcasts to you literally through the funding of our our websites and our SSL certificates and all of the things that we're doing there and the equipment and everything else. So we're very appreciative to our patrons. And just a little thing about patrons. They get stuff. We just sent out a really cool swag. So New Year's is coming up. And in the new year, we're going to start, like we mentioned before, our uh, new events coming up about every six weeks. We'll start looking forward and planning our patron picnic that we have in the summer. And that is a ton of fun. That's probably one of my favorite things that we do. Yeah, really low-key. You get to bring some friends with you. It's no cost for patrons. And uh, there's at different levels of patronage. You get to bring so many people with you. And it is potluck. I mean, we ask you to bring. We bring the main dish, and we bring main dish drinks. You just have to bring it aside. And it's it's always a lot of fun. And the food is fantastic. Yeah, but not once have I been like everything's good, but that dish. <laughs> well, maybe mine. But <laughs> Yours, good yeah. Yours is the Chick Fil A. No, it's pretty fantastic. No, too. if I were to bring a side, no Chick Fil A is fantastic. So, anyway. All right. We also have YouTube. YouTube, we're up to 313 subscribers. We, uh, If you're not already subscribed, go out to youtube.com slash eventsparanormal and uh, subscribe for us. And TikTok, we've got over 2,215 subscribers now. I I know, I did. Because my brain has been full of Arabic now. Yep. Which I haven't got my brain on, but I think I passed. Oh, good. I'm, I'm very proud of you. So now you can give yeah, your close. Well, I'm done. Stay spooky, my hunty friends. Hey, have a have a good night. You've been listening to the Supernatural Hour at AdvancedParanormal.com. The Supernatural Hour is part of the Radio Ronin Network, found at RadioRonin.com. Copyright by Advanced Paranormal Services.